This is the weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, your hosts, Drew Dawkin and Grant Collins, will have an in-depth conversation about what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today is Monday, June 15th. We are back in our studio, back at it. Today, the market was all over the place, really. Um, the Dow ended the day up 157 points, ending the day at 25,763. So it was up 0.62% higher. The S&P was up 25.28 points or 0.83%, ending the day at 3,066. VIX was down slightly by 4.68%. U.S. 10-year Treasury was up slightly by 0.72%. Futures are looking pretty good for early morning trading tomorrow. What really happened was the market started off on a dismal note, and then the Fed announced that it would be looking at buying some individual corporate bonds, and that really put wind in the sales of the market today. This comes after Thursday in particular's fallacious loss. Um, things have been very choppy since the last week we've spoken to you. Grant, what are your thoughts? And um, yeah, it's just let's kind of talk briefly on you know another aggressive move by the Fed in terms of looking at corporate bonds. Right. Well, on Thursday, we saw that the markets took almost a 6% loss. We almost saw uh, a circuit breaker, but not quite. Uh, and really, we saw globally fears of a second wave of coronavirus, really uh, the driver behind that. Today, we, we saw initially the global markets were trading down as well as the US. They, they started down. And then the, the big announcement from the Fed I have mixed feelings about this, as I think buying individual corporate bonds may prop up some companies that uh, uh, may be in trouble and may be showing some favoritism, uh, maybe some financial engineering there. But overall, I think it really shows how the Fed is going to do whatever it takes. And we saw that in the comments from Jerome Powell, the Fed, uh, Fed chair last week. And so overall, we're, we're seeing that the Fed is backing up what they're what they're saying and that they are going to do what it takes. Yeah, it's important to note that fundamentals are not are still not great. Um, when we're looking at initial jobless claims for you know state programs, when we're looking at the week ending at uh, June six, you know they were at one point four million uh, down from you know one point nine million in the prior week. So things are going down, but slowly. Um, I mean, there, there's still a lot of room in the labor market, and we're just not there yet. The, the labor market is is really one that is, is fascinating right now because we we have seen some hiring back, but we also saw unemployment claims still rise last week, about 1.5 million. Overall, companies are continuing to have a decrease in demand overall. Uh, and so I think that that's going to continue to cause a financial strain. And what's going to happen when the finance or the, the fiscal stimulus runs out and companies don't have the cash flow to keep warrior, workers? Are we going to see another series of layoffs? Uh, again, to talk to Jerome Powell last week, he also said that there there may be a significant chunk of of laid off people whose jobs are no longer there for them due to diminished demand and also efficiencies. So. Overall, jobless job numbers are going to be a big indicator moving forward. 
particularly where a lot of the losses are coming from industries that have operated kind of on a zombie level for some time now. And it's just kind of the final, the final nail, so to speak. Um, when we're looking at some of the market, I mean, what we really have to look at is there's a lot of froth, both from an institutional level, but in particular, we should be talking about what retail buyers are doing. Um, you know, last week there was a big rally in stocks that were trading a dollar or less per share. You know, you had an average gain about nearly 80% last week in regards to those stocks. And, you know, people are really, really just kind of getting back at it. Um, there's been people who felt like they've been on the sidelines. There's individuals who think that the fundamentals have changed a little bit. Um, you know, there's intelligence, uh, investors intelligence show that you know, the reading for bulls was at 56.9%, which was, you know, up uh, last week. And that was up from 53.5%, which was, you know, a couple weeks ago. And bears have dropped as well. Um, so there, there is definitely a frenzy going on. I mean, you have you know, a lot of, there was last week, you know, you had 7.5 million call options on stocks. Um, and, and, and so there's just, uh, there's just, just has been a lot of buying. And one theory that's coming out there that, that I like is that with all the sports on uh, being canceled, that a lot of the sports bet gamblers are now taking their money into the uh, stock market and they're actually propagating up some of these uh, companies that, that have failed. I mean, Hertz is a great example. We saw today that they were able to uh, continue to sell stock even though those stockholders may be wiped out in a Chapter 11 case or uh, or if they are not able to pay off all the debt. So, uh, But still money is flowing in and people are continuing to buy Hertz, even though, the, as you mentioned, the fundamentals aren't there and it's entirely debt heavy. So it's it's really interesting to see. We we saw the, the Barstool president saying that he now is a, the captain of the ship taking over for Warren Buffett. So we're seeing uh, a lot of retail investors uh, jump into the market. Uh, but it's interesting that we're seeing retail investors being so confident on the markets, because if you listen to Jerome Powell uh, last week on how they're going to keep rates uh, low until about 2021, 2022, uh, overall, they saw that they're not even his exact quote is not even thinking about thinking about raising rates for a while. Um, and so, it, as we mentioned earlier, he's really going to be focused and the Fed as a whole is going to be focused to do whatever they can. W what are your thoughts, Drew, on, on Jerome Powell's comments last week? Well, it's important to note last week that Jerome Powell wasn't particularly op optimistic in the near term, you know, ec economic revitalization of the country. I mean, if Fed officials you know, are still predicting that U.S. economy, economic activity is going to contract by about 6.5% this quarter. Uh, they think in 21, 21, it could be up 5%. But, you know, for the near term, um, things are still going to be, you know, we're, we're still very much in the throes of a recession. And, 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 and his comments indicated that. And, and now that you have talks of, it's not even so much a resurgence of the coronavirus. I just think it's been moving geographically. I mean, there was a point in time where New York was losing 800, 900 people. And then, you know, they have days now that are like in the 40s. But of course, that's moved to Texas and, and, and other states. So you're just seeing a geographic reshift. People might want to refer to that as a second wave, but I don't even think we're at the end of the first one, really. There was just lots, huge, huge swaths of the country just didn't really feel the effects of COVID.
the way the East Coast did. So I, I think that's a great point and overall. And as states are reopening, I, I think it's, of course, we're going to see more cases. And that could be a case for uh, herd immunization. And that's one big thing that people have been talking about. Uh, but, you know, overall, it, it we did see a bleak uh, overview of the U.S. economy from the Fed chair. But we also saw uh, Stephen Mnuchin, the, the Treasury secretary, come out and say that there is no way that we are shutting down the economy again. Um, and it, it, it's interesting, as you just mentioned, those are on uh, the, the the coattails of California and Texas also showing record ba- record breaking hospitalization due to COVID nineteen, but overall he he says that Congress is is he's going to prepare another request for fiscal spending, and and so overall we're, we're seeing the Fed say one thing, and then uh, Treasury Mnuchin saying that we're going full steam ahead. Yeah, I, I saw today. I don't know much about it, but instead of you know the six hundred dollar unemployment checks. Uh, or bump, I should say, that comes from the United States federal government. They're looking at you know reopening bonuses or people who back to back work bonus, bonuses, which um, is great. I, I'm I'm all for that. So that that just kind of shows you the trajectory in terms of when we're looking at how much of a stomach we have for shutting the economy down again, because they're already segmenting. This would go to unemployment. Now it's you know it's back to work bonuses. So. That represents a huge psychological shift and a shift in policy that really just looks to the fact that we probably aren't going to shut back down again. Just, I just don't think there's a, any way. There's no shot we're shutting back down again. I, I think some states may put I, – I don't see shelter in place coming back. I think some states may re- restrict the businesses that can be open and, and maybe capacity. But overall, I think the U.S. economy is going to stay open. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen – you know, in terms of the state of the debt, both, you know, households and, and everything else, we've seen those numbers really jump um, from this crisis. I mean, we're looking at total domestic non-financial uh, debt. That was up 11.7% in the quarter. So rising to $55.9 trillion, um, you know, debt. So, so and put that in perspective, the fourth quarter of 2019 debt was up 3.2%. So, I mean, people have certainly taken on a lot of red and, um, you know, some of the biggest debt obviously is coming from the business side, but, you know, that that is what it is. And it's it's a byproduct of of needing cash, but, you know, not having anything come in. And I think a key point there is is also with rates so low, you would anticipate people bringing on more debt. But it's just interesting to see. Uh, across the entire market, that debt actually has increased. Uh, we saw household debt increase by 3.9%. Consumer debt rose by 1.6%. And that makes sense if we think about consumers needing to to add more debt because of job loss and, and other aspects of that. Uh, and, and not to mention the federal government debt jumped up. And I wonder if that had something to do with that uh, big stimulus package that yeah. <laughs> they had. One would think... <laughs> Uh, I mean, when we look at oil, so last week it's pretty um, rough. Like I'll, I'll talk brief. I mean, so far this week it's 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 gotten a little bit better. But I mean, when we're looking at last Thursday, um, you know, you had another big attack on you know record buildup in terms of U.S. crude inventories. Um, so I mean, Brent crude features, you know, futures as a you know 
last week, you know, they fell um, over 6.3% on Thursday. Uh, I mean, so even with, you know, demand kind of back, um, you know, they, they still have continued to fall at least last week. Yeah, we saw gasoline stockpiles grow by uh, 258 million barrels. Really, it's coming back to demand risk. As we saw last week, the big drop was because we we thought there was a second wave of of coronavirus coming. And so that will have a direct impact on uh, oil prices. Uh, U.S. crude inventories unexpectedly rose as well. And we're seeing that a lot of the arrival of supplies from the Saudi Arabia uh, flood the market back in, in March and April, finally get, get on shore. So overall, oil still an interesting one to watch. Um, so we'll continue to watch, especially because I think it's going to still be tied to what what's happening with demand. Yeah, today you had a different development completely from last week. Uh, you saw today West Texas Intermediate Crude rose 86 um, cents or 2.37%. Uh, Brent crude rose 96 cents or 2.5%. And that's really because, you know, when you're looking at OPEC, there seems to be compliance with production cuts. The Iraqis have agreed to work with major oil companies to cut crude production um, throughout the rest of the month. When we're looking at Saudi Arabia, they too have reduced, you know, the volume of July loading crude. Uh, and then in the China's uh, getting somewhat of a rebound, right? So, you're seeing a little bit more increased demand, but you know it's certainly going to be one of the biggest indicators to look at. Uh, onto something that we haven't talked about in quite some time, and this is still a lingering thing, which is Brexit. Uh, remember that? Uh, so, <laughs> no, not really. What is it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's still quite a lot of disputes between the Brits and the EU, looking at fishing rights. Um, is a big thing. Still, there hasn't been much progress made on the Northern Ireland issue. Uh, and then, you know, there's there's definitely been the opinion of, from the European Union officials that the United Kingdom is trying to cherry pick, you know, the best advantages of, you know, being a member of the European Union without, obviously, the responsibilities and, and obligations that come with it. Um, so, you know, they're asking a lot more than they would from a preferential partners such as Canada or or Japan, but that's really kind of on the lines of lines of what what at least from the EU perspective, what they should be looking at. And I would totally try and cherry pick everything yeah, right. <laughs> if I was Britain. And just to go back for a second, I think the Northern Ireland border is a really important one for for people to understand because it's the only land border between the UK and the EU. And historically, uh not to give everyone a history lesson here, but the, the IRA and Northern Ireland had uh, plenty of wars on uh, in Belfast for Northern Ireland, Ireland territory. Uh, and having that fluid border was, was a big aspect of, of helping that. So uh, hopefully they come together with that. One other thing to note is that Moody's rating agency also war- warned that if uh, there was no deal for Brexit, it would significantly damage the UK's uh, recovery from the deepest recession from the pandemic. And uh, that I, I would hate to see uh, that on top of a Brexit deal, a decrease that could have a significant impact on uh, on their debt moving forward. Uh, but to bring it back home to the US, we have 
I don't know if people forgot, but we are in, a, in an election year. And so there, there has been some polling and some statistics around that. The Economist came out with a pretty interesting article about uh, election forecasting. Drew, you're a lot closer to, to the politics and in the, in the election. So I'll let you uh, walk us through some, some of the results. Well, the world's changed a lot in the last few months. Um, I think Donald Trump, you know, when you're looking at the street and when you're looking at betting positions, he was in a very, very good shape. Um, came time for, for March, uh, you know, you had unemployment was at a 50 year low. Um, and now obviously we've had a tremendous economic um, downturn and that's been coupled with uh, major protests and, and movements towards civil rights. So there's just a lot going on in the country that you know, makes people um, very nervous and squeamish about where we currently stand. But it's difficult because there's going to be states in play that weren't in play in 2016. Um, I think Arizona looks like it's going to be better for the Democrats. I remember Hillary didn't lose Arizona by all that much. Uh, in fact, she did. I think poorer in Iowa than she did in Arizona. And I was a state that, that voted for uh, Barack Obama. So there's going to be in Wisconsin. I mean, he's lost a lot of ground in a lot of States, but then there's States that, you know, the president could still be competitive in uh, Wisconsin's going to be an interesting one. And then um, God only knows what is going to happen to Florida. Uh, that, I don't think they even know. <laughs> right. There's something there's, you know, if you ask an average Floridian, you know, whether they want to get like a punch in the gut or an ice cream cone, it would be 50 50. It's just <laughs> I mean, no one knows how that state's going to vote. And it, it's been that way for a long, long time. But I mean, certainly he's down in the polls right now. Um, if the election were today, I think it would be Joe Biden's to lose. That being said, it is June. The election is in November. That is a lifetime in politics, especially considering everything that happens. If there is a sustained economic rebound, I think those numbers might tighten. But, um, you know, as it stands right now, there's just a lot more states in play for, for, for Biden and the Democrats. You know, whether you're looking at Georgia or Texas, uh, Iowa and Ohio remain competitive, even though they're they have voted for Democrats historically. But they're definitely, I think. Right now, they're right-leaning states. Um, I think they're going to go the way of Missouri, uh, maybe after the election, where it's at one point was a very purple state and competitive, and then slightly moves to more of an outlier and then becomes a, a solid a solid red state, whereas states like Georgia and Arizona are going to continue their tilt to become more purple um, when they've historically been been very red. So. Yeah, and it's Joe's to lose unless he has a personal interview and puts his foot in his mouth again because that guy can't get out of his own way when it comes to uh, one-liners that that really hurt his 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 uh, run for president. But the, it, it was interesting to see that the polls, their, their analysis on how polls have various biases on uh, whether they're conducted on the phone or online, uh, which demographics they, they use to weight the responses, which is always very interesting. And then also if the, the person questioning is really eager or disinclined to answer survey questions, then that actually impacts. So it was really interesting to see how they, they broke down polls. You know, overall, I think you're right. If we do see a economic surge in these next three, four months, uh, then I think President Trump is 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 going to have a better chance re-election. Uh, but 
<clears throat> overall, I think you're right. Right now, it would be Joe Biden's to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if and yeah, and Joe does definitely have a tendency to uh, say things that uh, will raise an eyebrow or two, but. There's been no shortage of uh, attacks on both sides now. You're looking at two men well into their 70s. Joe's pushing 80. But, you know, there's there's always speculation like Trump was walking down the ramp too slowly or, oh, my God, did you see how he tried to drink the water, you know, last week? Uh, he needed to use his right hand to lift his left hand up. So I, I just think you're going to see, um, you know, these guys these guys aren't in combine shape, right? They're, they're older uh, <laughs> And so there's just going to be a lot of that going out. But um, when are we going to when are we going to hear a running mate for Joe? God, I, I don't know. Um, Should be somewhat soon, don't you think? Yeah, it's just it's just weird with the conventions being up in the air um, the way they are. I mean, normally you'd want to really showcase your VP, um, make that a big keynote speech. But I mean, all that's going to be, you know. Less significant this year, of course, uh, with, with 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 however they decide to do it. But but yeah, I, I think it should be um, sooner rather than later uh, to keep his momentum going. Um, and then you know, obviously, once you have a VP, you, you have two people who can hit the trail as opposed to one um, different state. So it becomes important when you're looking at how the campaign runs. Uh, but yeah, he's got a short list. Um, you know, there's. Kamala Harris is definitely up there. And then several other people. I think Stacey Abrams was was initially in that shortlist, but I don't I guess he hasn't given her a call. And it, from from the chatter, it looks like less likely, but I think Kamala Kamala might be one. Um, but yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And with that, do you have anything uh, we should be uh, looking at? You know, <laughs> yeah, a uh, couple things this week. We, uh, I know we mentioned the Fed a bunch of times on the podcast today, but Jerome Powell will be in front of the uh, Senate tomorrow and, and House on Wednesday. So see if there's additional comments on uh, the individual corporate bonds uh, plan that they announced today. Uh, also, we're going to see uh, U.S. retail sales and industrial production numbers are, are supposed to come out on Tuesday. So hopefully we will see uh, increases in May. I think we definitely will on the retail side. Uh, and then overall, uh, just continuing to, to see uh, if there is how the market is affected by uh, increases in cases, if we continue to see some states spike. What about you, Drew? Yeah. I'd like to see how the uh, back to work bonuses play out. I think that's interesting. And I, I'd like to see what the Hill decides to do with that because it, it might be, uh, might be something that gets some bipartisan support and it's, and it moves, moves, moves the needle forward. So. Definitely. I think that could be a, a great plan. All right, everybody. It's good to be back in the studio. Uh, thank you all for listening and we're out. We'll talk to you next week. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked in any of the content. 
The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.